Uh, real treat for you on the Lee Side Lives podcast. I'm here having a couple with Mike Darcy of the Friary Bear in Cork City. Uh, Mike is on the, the podcast by popular demand. I know he's been recommended by a lot of people I've spoken to. He has a lot of interesting stories. Mike, thanks for meeting me today in, in the Friary Bear. We'll start with the bear itself. How did you come to be involved with it? And I mean, it is so different to other bears around the city. Um, so uh, the bar- coming to the bear in the first place was a complete and utter accident. Uh, somebody, I was back from uh, living in the Canaries for a while and um, somebody just asked me to come over and look at his bar and see if there was anything useful that I could do there. I suppose my background is mostly entertainment. In, in fact, like lots of the customers would say that I'm, uh, you know, we, we put on fun stuff, but like I'm the most clueless barman ever, even after a few years of doing this. Um, but um, so as it turned out, his bar manager had decided to leave. So he more or less tossed me the keys and told me to go and do it. Um, and uh, I've had to learn a bit since then. Like my background was in doing kind of clubs and that sort of stuff. And uh, there were often things that I, you know, you're not going to, you know, I got, people listening now will be going, what the hell is he talking about? But we have like, for instance, the most obvious one is our night where everybody dresses, it's a tribute to chickens and everybody dresses up as chickens, right? Mm-hmm. But we have to make all that stuff. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to, have the resources to buy you know 60 or 70 chicken outfits for 250 dollars on the internet or anything so we make the the masks are more to the point two or three of our excellent makers in the bar make the masks so they're always like stupid things like that that even when i was doing themed nightclubs and stuff it's like you just can't do that for four or five to a a thousand four or five hundred to a thousand people there's just no way when i arrived here after a while of actually kind of you know learning a bit about how to i didn't really know anything about the workings of a pub and then i just thought that we'd just start doing a few small things um just to get a few people in we're kind of a little bit off the beaten track here and just at that little bit over the river that cork people are really kind of going no i can't go that far the river the second river is too much i know i know what you mean it, it seems like as well as locals though it seems to be a real haven for for visitors to the city whether they come from the other side of the world or just up the road i get the sense of tourists love it because it is that bit different uh, yeah, I get asked all the time about the various obsessions of the bar as expressed like on the walls and stuff. Obviously, there's the, the Nicolas Cage thing. Is, yeah, tell me about is, that. Is, yeah. <laughs> um, so the start of it was um, we were just talking about wack- wacky actors and stuff like that. And uh, I think somebody said like we should write a happy birthday card to Nicolas Cage because I was talking about Nicolas Cage. And then I said, let's see what his birthday is. And this was like in May, and his birthday was in January the 7th. So I said, let's have a birthday party for Nicolas Cage, except obviously it's better because, you know, he's a, you know, he'd probably have thought the same thing himself. Uh, let's have my birthday on my not birthday. And so June the 7th was coming up. So we designed a poster. Off we went. We bought loads of, printed off loads of stupid stuff. We, we all made Nicolas Cage masks and... Uh, showed a couple of his movies in the afternoon and all that sort of stuff and made Nicolas Cage cocktails, you know, um, Con Air with explosive things in them, all that kind of stuff. So um, 
Then we did a couple of other things when he had new, like at that stage he hadn't filmed that actually made the cinema for a long time. So, but we would do small Nicolas Cage stuff maybe every uh, six months or so. Um, and then, um, like the bar is quite casual, and sometimes I get asked, was like, could we do something that's more formal? Because people like to dress up like in their gear sometimes. Uh, so we regularly do a twenties night. And occasionally do a 50s night of rockabilly and stuff like that because my background in DJing is very much world jazz, swing music um, and kind of, I'm kind of looking for a venue at the moment if I can find one which would be like DJing a century of music on different kind of formats that have been used from gramophones up to CDJs and DJ gear of the moment, right? So all of that stuff they do get to dress up in the 20s gear and people love it and the cocktails are really good and all that stuff but that's kind of that was kind of the the, the 50s rockabilly thing is different anyway because it's a particular type of gear and so they were like give us an excuse to dress up so I was wandering around and I, my immediate thing is what is the most ridiculous way I can do this that I can possibly think of so I thought it was just after COVID and I thought actually it would be funny to uh, have a really formal night, uh, black tie and the whole thing, and like nice dresses and everything um, for the launch of a new toilet, because <laughs> that would be like nobody would possibly yeah, yeah. dress up to go to a toilet, right? So uh, I thought that was kind of a fun idea, and then I was like, I better te- theme the thing, and it was quite clear, like I was kind of saying like I'll do this every year or something like that. Uh, but like I definitely have to start with Nicolas Cage so off we went printed off loads of stuff we wrote poems about him blah 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 Uh, out with the cocktails again films all that kind of stuff Um, the other funny thing I think is um, Michael one of our regulars who's great at making stuff uh, I was just going through the internet and kind of looking at Nicolas Cage stuff and of course his mausoleum that he built for some unknown reason for himself it's in um, Louisiana um, and it's a big kind of triangular kind of pyramid structure and he built it there and that's where he's going to be buried apparently so mm. I got Michael to build our own mausoleum <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! it's actually over there at the moment oh, we can see it yeah upstairs um, in the friary and it has I think on the night then we uh, gave everybody um, pens and colouring things and so on and so forth and asked them to read um, or to write stuff um, you know, hopefully pleasant stuff you know, even as they were drinking a bit more but mostly it was um, you know, Nicholas Gage, we love you come and blah, 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 come to you uh, some of them were um, there's a lunatic barman who is forcing me to write you a letter, Nicholas Cage, kind of stuff uh, from people who don't know me. And so there are about 250 letters and we're going to post the entire thing to his management agency. Cool. Cool. That's the that's the plan. Like, it's a bit of a... It takes a bit, it takes a bit of wrapping and yes. also the post office are going to think we're completely mad when we arrive down with this thing. <laughs> but we did check it with them, so now all we have to do is find that person that we checked it with and make sure he's working that day. <laughs> and I'm sure, Mike, there's a point with Nicholas Cage's name on it in the Friary Bar. 
it'd be great to get them over. Um, like I think it's more about the process, to be honest. We've had so much fun with it, okay. you know, acting the fool, you know. Um, uh, like people say that to me all the time, and I'm like, well, he doesn't do social media. I have no idea. You know, we know where his management agency is, so there. That's why, unless. You know, in the security day, security obsessed days, somebody takes this weird thing out and burns it out the back of the post office or whatever, <laughs> or you know, it's destroyed in customs in America. Yeah. Um, I was kind of thinking that if I ever had lots of time off, I might pull this thing again and actually take a road trip with my with my mausoleum off to America and land in his agency in LA with it. That may be a pipe dream, but however, it would be funny. I think. One of the other things about the Friary is it's the home to fiction at the Friary. And, of course, Madeline, your sister, who I interviewed recently, and uh, Madeline Darcy and Daniel McLaughlin, um, you know, established that along with yourself. And it's, it's really gone from strength uh, to strength. You're clearly very creative and innovative as well. So Madeline's a writer of fiction. It, it's something that runs into family, really, creating. Do you write, do you write fiction yourself? Or do you write um, I've done a lot of cheesy journalism. Okay. I don't have the patience, really. Um, uh, I don't know how the real writers do it. Um, I've run written reviews for magazines and blah blah blah. Every and often done it because I wasn't you know, I had other things and I didn't want to be identified, particularly or else because the magazine needed two or three articles under two or three different names, so I wrote them all. But I, everybody knows it's me straight away <laughs> because it's very like I don't know anything about this, but I'll be, I'll try and make it funny, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So short pieces, yes. Um, I don't know how writers do it. I'm serious. Like, it's amazing the amount of literature that's coming out of Ireland and it's so good and so, you know, um, but I just couldn't. I couldn't sit there all day. There is no way. Even with music on or whatever, you know, I'm very much a, I'll knock off a thousand words here very quickly and then, you know, I'll correct it once and then it goes off and they can edit it themselves, whatever, you know. I don't have time these days. Of course. It's kind of surprising how much bar- I heard from loads of people that I'd be stuck in this bar day and night and I was like I didn't believe it you know but guess what <laughs> you know um, it's a job you love though it's a, because I know like Madeline and, and Daniel who are both qualified in, in law they're, they're qualified solicitors not practicing solicitors yeah. but you would have studied law as well wouldn't you oh I went all the way yeah yeah I didn't quit until I was 27 um, and um, I thought like I myself I thought this isn't madness because I'd spent years at it you know Uh, and you know there would be a lot of people these days I think who quit when they're in their 40s or something like that you know because a lot of them go off to make craft beer at the end of it that kind of or you know they're following their photography or whatever it is Um, for me it was I was DJing and um, doing all, all sorts of other entertainment stuff and um, it was kind of like I thought if I don't do it now you know I, it was either like I'm going to have this night lifestyle built around nightclubs and running around in costumes and performing and blah 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 Yes. Uh, but I kind of felt like I kind of thought maybe as I'm going to get a good job and I'll take the job and then I'm you know, 27 till 65 seemed like a long way away. I think I started too early because I left school quite, I was like, I was in college by the time I was barely 17, a few months into being 17. So, like, it had been quite a while. It wasn't like, a, you know, these days you get out of school at 19 or whatever, sure. and, you know, by yes. 27 you'd have put in seven, 
six or seven years at it. I was nearly ten years in at that stage. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just, uh, you know, I just thought, like, I'm just going to have a bash at this for six months and see what happens, you know. Um, but, like, I'd always been DJing and doing stuff at parties and stuff like that, but not in any kind of serious way. And then um, I was asked to do a club in Cork. It was City Limits at the time, and... Um, you know, it, it, it was the time that it was. People were definitely out drinking a lot at that stage. There were fewer health concerns than there are now. And um, and like City Limits, the comedy club at the time, we had a huge hit on our straight away. Like I'd only done bar gigs and stuff like that, but within you know a few months, it's nothing to do with me really. I was only playing the. the the room in the front, um, but you know there were comp- you could go in at nine o'clock. Uh, MC two DJs, all that sort. Of, you know two comedians, and it's like five or six quid, I think. Um, so it became really, really popular. And by the time that stint was over, to be honest with you, I was like, I can't remember any law anymore at all. <laughs> you know, so. I mean, I could have gone back, but just things I've no. Pl- I'm not good, good, good at planning, but it just like sometimes you're going, what's going to happen next? And actually, nothing happens next for a month or two, and you're going, okay, this is getting a bit, you know. And then okay. just something happens. Yeah. And this was kind of how I got here, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But then I just started doing things, and a couple of brilliant people came along, and they just loved uh, the things that I had started doing, and they kind of encouraged me to do those things but one of them was a very French very arty French girl and she wanted to do weird films and all that sort of stuff so you know after a while we just kept building on it it feels like you're you're made for this way of life though being a being a barman and someone who you know who comes up with ideas uh, for people that are different to your other watering holes around the city like um so I'd imagine like you love what you do you're happy you feel like you're where you're meant to be you know, we started from fairly low base, so I'm I'm proud of it. I have to say, Absolutely. actually, it's one if I can just go off on a like. Uh, there's nothing I can't uh, that I can stand less than like those American sport sportsmen who go up there, you know, when they win their golf or whatever, and say I'm so humbled, and you can see that they're actually rampant egomaniacs. So, like, I'd rather say I am proud of it. Yeah, um, I'm very grateful to the people. It's not me. Like, it's it's a bit of me. Um, and loads of other people um, helping along the way and like I often thought like what am I doing there's no money in this and but it is kind of nice that due to the scale of the place like I can be uh, sorry audience for the revolting image but I could be in the shower um, or I can be wandering along daydreaming about sort of thinking about you know oh I've forgotten to order this beer or something and uh, just a you know Something happens, like a you know, I can see a you know a pigeon taking off down the quay or something. Like you know, I wonder could I do anything with that? You know, and just I can wander along and just think about that for a while, and you know, kind of go well, maybe not pigeons, but chickens. You know, yes. and it's like okay, I like chickens. We had chickens when we had, when we were kids. Sometimes I invent a reason for doing these things because they otherwise it's like. People just go think you're completely mad. So I like I you know tell them hey well the twentieth anniversary of Chicken Run the movie which was great crack was coming up but that's not it at all. <laughs> you know, it's just a it's just a cover story for yes. Um, and I 
uh, like that's great. Being actually able to put these silly ideas into practice, you know, the kind of things that you probably talk about doing at three o'clock in the morning yes. when you're like a student and drunk, I'd love to do that, you know, um, and like wouldn't any nightclub or venue do that and you kind of go, actually I can do that. You know, it might cost more money than it makes, but I can definitely pull it off. Yes, you know, absolutely. So it's kind of, it is nice from that point of view. I mean, you know, people are always going like, oh, you know, that bar is doing really well. And it doesn't have any money, really. But uh, it would have more money if I didn't spend it on completely ridiculous nights out, you know. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's really fun for people to be talking about that in the bar and putting in their ideas and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and thankfully, actually being able to make stuff because I can't make anything. And, you know, I, there's nothing around at the moment um, to show you. Oh, yeah, actually, you can see that one of the chicken hats that Michael and his that's just up the, <laughs> okay. over there made completely out of cardboard. It's all handmade and all that sort of stuff. And I just couldn't do it. You know, I mean, I can if he comes along and says, Mike, yo, that's one strip. Then you glue it with this thing and, you know. Yes, yes. But it's always Michael and Greg and Elise and all these people making stuff that is really big. Because much as I like a giant inflatable, uh, which we, we we use, but, like, it's nice to have it, like, workshop before the event for a couple of days and people sure. with their glue and their scissors and everything working away and they're having fun. I suppose moving, moving back in time and away from the friary, um, you grew up in McCroom, you left... Yeah after leaving sort well travelled obviously but I think you did spend a period of time in the UK and you were working uh, doing the, the singing telegrams was Not that in right? in the UK that was that was separ- yeah, two separate things I, I worked in Soho in a hardware store that's sadly um, not there anymore and um, uh, I went down to look at it and it was like uh, working for you know young Irish people in our in at the time anyway, mm-hmm. some of them are like if I'd gone to try and get a law job, but I wasn't qualified at that stage, I'd probably have been okay. But I just wanted to go and stay with my sister and you know kind of have that experience. And sure. the um, and London was kind of grim at the time, really. Uh, some of it was great fun and there's loads to do, but like also even then it was expensive to live in. What, yeah. so 80s, 90s, is it? or Early 90s, I early think. 90s. And um, maybe late 80s, early 90s. Anyway, um, so the hardware store, like, it's a, well, it's not surprising that it went out of business, to say the least of it. Um, uh, the, uh, the man who owned it was a, a very decent, but um, very conservative, um, very religious uh, English kind of gentleman type even though he was working the place was in Soho like the famous bits of Soho were down to the right and like they'd be in and out and he'd be I'm sure he disapproved completely but also the lads themselves uh, like the drinking during work and everything he, he was so innocent he had no idea um, they you know we'd get in at 7.30 in the morning the lads would be having like a, you know, a smoke or whatever already by the time I got in. Uh, these boys, like at 11 o'clock break, they could go out and drink two pints in 15 minutes, no problem, maybe three sometimes. Uh, occasionally there was a wine event in one of the local bars and they'd go in and drink a, a bottle of wine at, at 11 o'clock. Whoa. And then maybe we could, they'd be taking something else from 11 till 1, then five, six pints sometimes at 
I mean, it was, you know, incredible. Like, and really, very, like, three of them took, one of them was a, a dental technician and the other two guys from Northern Ireland were also, like, super smart. Like, they were much older than me at the time. I was only 19, I'd say. And these guys were in their 40s. Really nice guys, but, like, yeah. I mean, I, like, they'd buy me a pint because they knew I had no money and all that sort of stuff. Really nice guys. But, like, we were plastered. You know, occasionally I was plastered, but they were plastered. I mean, they could do it because they were used to doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my sister, who you mentioned earlier, has a, a great story about me, which, like, it would take the length of the podcast to tell you my attempts to get to meet her for dinner because I went back several years afterwards and only a couple of them were left. And they said, like, come for a pint after work. And I said, no, I'm meeting my sister. And I only stayed with them for an hour and three quarters, I'd say. And they were like, we're going home because our, you know, our wives ca- called a halt to our stuff. So like, this is not gonna happen like the old days. And my adventures through the underground while completely blast. I've never been as drunk in my entire life, collapsing down the stairs. Oh I had to crawl out of one of the, one of the underground stations, literally on my hands and knees because I couldn't stand up. Um, I did manage to hold on to the records that I was uh, after buying. I don't know how oh, I did it. Fair play. But I mean, yeah, London is hard, hard to navigate without, uh, without drink on board, isn't it? Yeah, like, oh my <laughs> God, those guys, just unbelievable. Like, I didn't, uh, you know, I would, I would probably have gone down the same path, except I just didn't, you know, they were there for years. Mm-hmm. Really smart guys, and they kept the place together completely. Um, but, holy God, it's like, I don't think you see that stuff anymore, really. You know, yeah, different um, times, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was sad to see that it was gone and replaced by a coffee shop the last time I was there. Okay. Um, because like those guys were absolutely like they were, and and so smart. Really, they all had degrees and all smart, smart dudes. Yeah. Um, and one of them was like a real kind of uh, like a, a kind of uh, rock kind of dude, but he'd been around the London scene for ten or fifteen years, and he's like going partying with Phil Collins and all this sort of stuff, right? Amazing. But then he'd arrive in the next day and you'd never, you might be able to smell it sometimes if he hadn't eaten his mints or whatever, but you'd never know. Yeah, sounds like there, there were wild times. And like, oh. So how did the, the gig as the singing telegram come about then? Was that in London as well? Uh, no, no, it's like all over Ireland. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so what time was, my, you, it, did you move back then, is it? Uh, I came back and like I had done that to... Like there weren't a lot of jobs around for a student who had no connections whatsoever in Cork City, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that was the thing that um, I should just run around in my caveman outfit and my. I should have brought the bloody club with me if I knew you were going to talk about this because <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. Um, but yeah, you'd go birthday parties, and, you know, everything from 18th to like I've definitely uh, like you have you want to be extremely careful what you're doing on you know but like when it's a 90th birthday you want to make sure that there was I actually had an incident in a GA club and like I was like haunted at the time I was like sweat was pouring out of me because um, I went to um, to a birthday and it was quite a young like she wasn't old old I think it was like a 55 or 60th birthday maybe something like that and I was waiting at the back to come out and surprise her and do my thing you know 
jump up and down and poke people with the club and sing her happy birthday and all that stuff. And they were like, I don't think she's feeling well. Can you wait a minute? And I was like, lads, it's Friday night. I have to get six of these things done. I'm really sorry, but I gotta get like quick, get her out of the loo, blah, 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 blah. And I was like waiting to another 10 minutes, no go. And it turned out that she had had heart, nobody knew, but she had had a heart attack. God. Um, she was fine afterwards, and uh, I don't know if I should, but I, I, I drove down to the um, the police just in case there was any, you ought to hurry them up. I went down to the, the police station in my in my costume just because I had no time to change. So, but like I was thinking afterwards, like if, if I'd been in there 15 minutes before, they'd blame me for yeah, sure, right? Yeah, you know? um, yeah, but we went all over the place. I knew every pub in Munster at the time. Like you, you and because you know, people wouldn't answer their phones or a lot of people didn't have mobile phones um, uh, at the beginning, but um, so you'd be going like into the costume, into the gig, back out of the gig, into the car, drive down the road in your caveman outfit until you find a place, <sighs> stop the car, change into your gear so you can go in and contact them, sneak in and contact the next people who are going to be the contact to tell you where the person is and blah, 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 yes. blah, back out again. You do that like five or something, you know, I can change my clothes in the space that you like, behind the wheel of a car, no problem if I have to, <laughs> in like two minutes. That sounds like, um being the singing telegram dressed as a caveman it sounds like mighty crack like and it I guess great fun. Like, bef- before email and all that as well like yeah, before yeah. social media yeah well we used to write songs based on what they told us right yeah, you get yeah. good at it after a while because you really learning from your mistakes you have to be very careful to you know uh, if you're suggesting that the you know uh, the guy likes a few pints or the you know that he's had maybe two or three too many girlfriends you know when you're taking the mickey out of somebody in a in a public space you better make sure you get your phrasing right and not you have to go to the point where people are laughing as hard as they can but not over the point where the guy is crying yeah sure. you know <laughs> and he's humiliated and embarrassed or you do you know that kind of stuff absolutely so um yeah so we'd get the info they'd phone up and give us like you know uh like we wouldn't we probably wouldn't even say drinking his head off or anything like that we just kind of mentioned that night in Limerick that they had a bit of crack and blah blah blah, blah but everybody would know. Do you yes. know what I mean? So yes. it's it's about like bringing them to the point of where they're laughing, but no further. Yes. You know. Um. So, um. Yeah, I did that on and on. Like it, it was great. It was some money to get me through college and blah blah blah. And I did it. I went away for a while. Went to London. Came back. Did my law exams. Got my law exams. Uh, you know, I mean, my parents are very good, but you know, not millionaires. So I took it up again and ran it myself and all that sort of stuff. And then I was DJing at the same time. So, like, I was fairly—I didn't feel like it. I suppose on my nights off, then because you finish very late, but like, there's you know a party to go to or whatever. It didn't feel like I was working very hard. But looking back on it, I was definitely yeah. I was running three three careers without even thinking about yeah, it, you know. Yeah, see, yeah, it sounds like you're kind of running the risk of burnout there almost. Like did you kind of have a moment where you, you took a step back then and um I never think about it to be honest. I just do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I try and make it as much fun and then as I can and then we just you know uh, go on to the next thing and 
what I do try, like, I do try and get uh, away, like, as in far away, a few times a year. Okay. So that the, whether it's you know beer distributors or people who want to talk about advertising or blah blah blah, preferably overseas, they hear the mo- the mobile phone with the foreign ringtone. And they go, oh, we can't get them now. Do you know? I do take blocks of time, but the rest of the time it's like you know, yeah. the night of the parrots is over and we're on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's kind of you know, they're good and they're. I don't feel with this job, um, like it's really long hours, and I talk about it as in kind of poor Mike all the time, but I don't actually like a lot of it. You know, I'm quite happy mm. to. Sit, sit behind, stand behind a bar and talk to whoever comes in. That's yes. no problem. Yes, it's the paying the bills and the water bills and the, you know, all that kind of boring stuff. And doing it at one or two o'clock in the morning is, I find that very heavy going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I mean, yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of challenge going with that, and we have, we've had the, the COVID lockdowns over the years that put further pressure on guys like yourself, business owners. But um, as you have done for most of your life, like you're good at coming up with ideas and ways to. You know, to um, get people in the door. But how, how challenging were the lockdowns for you as a barman? Um, I hate to say it, but I didn't mind it at all. All right, a break. Um, I'd been doing this a lot. Yeah. Um, it took me, uh, like, I still look back, look back on our um, post. On, we actually closed a day or two before the government told us to close okay. because I just thought this is getting... I wasn't taking it seriously for the first couple of weeks. Um, and then it got a bit dodgy. And I was like, there's a lot of people in here tonight on Saturday night. Not, not that we're always busy by any means, but that particular night. I think people were panicking about, hey, we mightn't get a night out for two weeks. <laughs> you know, what a laugh, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Wrote a, a cheery note on our Facebook page saying, like, we're really, you know, sorry to do this, but I think for the sake of, you know, a couple of weeks of our lives, I think it's just blah, blah, blah. And then the government thing came in and said, and we said, like, you know, um, it's been a really good run for a few years. It's actually probably no harm for us to save our livers for a while, something like that. Indeed. And it's like, we'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs> you know? yes. um, so I try and keep it like in success or failure, like that it's still level. I am really anti the, I think there are certain sectors of Irish society that love complaining. I won't name them, but you know they love it. Even when things are going like I, I put them way back yeah. in the eighties, nineties, whatever. When they, at least the larger farmers and organisation, you know, the, the ones with the three or four hundred acres, were complaining and they're buying buying another ninety thousand euro tractor every two years, right? I have no time for that, you know, and I have no time for people in my own industry who secretly like you know they were actually not too bothered you know they're getting payments for their workers and blah 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 and you know but yes it was always like and I think um, there were certain sectors and you know they were doing okay um, you know I mean people were up and down and all that sort of stuff uh, but uh, the the constant like if we don't open in two weeks the sector won't survive in another week and a half like guys Yes. You've been doing this for years, you know. If you haven't saved a few grand at this stage, there's something wrong. Not that not that I have in a few years, but I wasted all on puppets and you know. <laughs> but like there's a lot of humbug and I'm not into that. We 
when I'm my year and a half off, I learnt about bits of Cork that I've never ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, um, because you could walk everywhere and I'd loads of time. It would take me seven hours to make my dinner. I'd walk off somewhere four kilometres away to do my shopping. Then I'd come back with my shopping and I'd be going, why did I do this? Because I can't, my, my arms are going from carrying this food. <laughs> um, yeah, and then yeah. I'd put on a stew that took three hours. And like it was like, hey, that's my day's work done. Yeah. Um, I was lucky with the person I was living with. Uh, I had nobody for a few months. I thought it was kind of an interesting time because I'm very social and I thought it was interesting because when I realised it was going to be more than three or four, uh, three or four weeks, I was like, I've spent all my life, like, since I got out, you know, since I started, it's all social stuff and I was like, I wonder how am I going to handle this, you know? And actually... Um, you know, because I, I try to have a calm thing going. I'm not up and down all the time, but at the same time, I was occasionally thinking, oh, this, this might get weird. But it was fine. It was fine. I mean, you could still walk around, you know, Cork being the size it is, you'd still see somebody that you could say hello to and all sure. that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, and um, I kind of, you know, learned that I can actually live with myself. Then somebody needed a, a, a place and... Uh, she moved in and she was great so after about three or four months maybe five months I had somebody for a a year who was you know we got on very well and no problems and trusted each other to do the the necessary and all that sort of stuff so um, yeah it's grand Um, I do think that it's been it's like we've lost probably a few quite a number of people only very slowly coming back to a bar again and we've lost a couple of people, not too many. Thankfully, we've been lucky because our crew are very smart. Um, but we have had to kind of say, like, to a couple of people, it's like two, actually. It's like during the kind of mixed period in the middle. Uh, it's like, ah, but you're Mike, we're grand, we're taking care of ourselves. You don't need, and like, there's the door, don't yeah. come back. Oh, I see, right, right. Yeah. Okay. No, absolutely no messing around with that. Yeah. You know. okay. like obviously, um, you're you're going to be opening soon. It's, it's five o'clock. Is, is do you open at five o'clock all year round? Four four thirty all yeah, year round. Yeah. Is there a reason for that? Um, it's because I'm simple minded. <laughs> I, I like to keep things really, really, like all always consistent and because um, it's it's. Actually, I didn't mean to say I like to keep things simple. Hopefully, I'm not totally simple-minded. But it's about, um, for me, when I was away uh, for a year and a half, I did think, like, this might be a disaster. I might have to give this thing up. Okay. Will, they, will they come back for this weird bar? I don't know. Um, and then I was thinking, okay, maybe I should just cut it down to the busy nights and leave Sunday and Monday and have a life and blah, blah, blah. But actually, um, people, you know, I don't know what's happened, but it's actually busier than it used to be. And I like, if everything is perfect, I like very simple, consistent. So it's 4.30, it's not 2.30 on a Saturday and 4.30 on a, I don't change for opening hours that I think people are going to be around or anything. Now for my sister and Danielle's, but it's kind of that's kind of a lock-in, more or less. Um, so if there's a special event, yes. Mm-hmm. 
but you can, you know, unless there's a bomb goes off, we're going to be open at 4.30. And we won't be open at 2.30 and we won't be open at 4.45. Yes. You know, and yes. we're going to do it as long as it's affordable. And at the moment, we're actually busy on Monday and Tuesdays. Um, and we're going to be open come hell or high water, you know. Um, like, if there are Monday night and Tuesday night crowd collapsed for six months, then we'd look at it. But generally speaking, it's the same with the pricing. People are always laughing. It's like, do you not try to make a margin? And I go, no, I like to have everything with zero, zero or 50 at the end of it. Sure. <laughs> so that I can add it up in my head without, know. you know, so, you know, our pints are five or 550. Um, you know, gin and tonics are six fifty or seven euros. Yeah, all that yeah. starts hard stuff, right? There's there. no like nine thirty five. There's no trying to get snaky few cents out of them because I couldn't be bothered. You know. By the way, folks, bring cash, or t- like bring cash to your local bar. Yeah. Bring three euros in case they're really nice to you and you want to give them a tip, because we can't put it on the credit card because then we pay all sorts of tax on it because it goes into the central account, yes. right? Yes. So bring two or three, you, you're just a few cents. If we're horrible to you, you don't have to use it. You can put it in the coin box on the way back, right? I'm sure they'll receive a warm welcome as always here, Mike. Yeah. But given your, your love of music, obviously, um, do you, I know you have all sorts of events here, but with the Jazz Festival now, is that something you'll get behind or do you want to offer people an alternative to you know these crowded places with music that are on over, over Jazz Festival weekend? What's your approach to it? Unfortunately, we're not in the Jazz Festival. Um, but you know we'll do our own thing like we always do we're not um, you know it, it, it's in some ways it's disappointing but uh, we would have to buy Guinness products and obviously we're craft beer bar and we can't yeah, you know, I know what you mean. Um, but we'll do some of our own fun stuff cool. and uh, yeah and uh, yeah I'm not, I don't worry about it yeah. um, like I think for me the most important thing is I want the city to do well. I've often been thinking, except maybe it's above my station, that we should use our social media to have like a, an idea of the week that should be debated. Okay. Do you know what I mean? It's like whether, it doesn't really, a lot of it will be about Cork, but just stuff in general. And just Here's our idea, lads. Our, our regulars and people on our social media are smart, and I constantly see things when I'm wandering around going, why is that like that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but it might be a bit much for inflicting your we probably inflict enough weird stuff on people without our kind of what the hell is going on here um, but I certainly you know I like I want the city to do well and I want there to be more people coming out instead of being atomized in their own sitting room um, and drinking a bottle but actually it's a bottle and a half of wine in reality paying multinational companies you know six different you know Sky Sports and you know Amazon and the rest of them and they're getting all our money mm. never mind the fact that they're said people are destroying the, the whole planet with their boxes um, we do like a, some kind of nights which are also like their entertainment but they're also raising money for you know um various causes that we believe in yeah. um, and um, if, if you know a, a constant kind of bugbear of mine is at least if you go out for a few drinks and you meet people and you exchange ideas 
this vast wall of media, which is one of the reasons why so many pubs is going out, are going out of business, or else they use it just for sport. And as I'm just totally against it. I think pubs are great. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I would say that. No, but I, I went to enough of them before I was, you know, um, I don't, I, uh, but that is part of our thing in the bar. We try and have ideas as well as, you yeah, know, yeah, you know, and yeah. it kind of changes the course of conversation because I don't want to be the person behind the bar just talking about the football and the soccer and all that sort of stuff yeah. all the time, you know. Exactly. That's nice. Yeah, because I know, I think. After all the lockdowns and that, I think the importance is that human connection to meet up with a friend or colleague, have a chat over a drink in, in the in the friary. It's, it's a nice thing to do. Um, a couple of things, Mike, before I let you get back to work. I think you have the greatest shirt collection in the country, if not the planet. Tell me more about it. It's probably the biggest anyway, because I've been doing it for a long time. Um, I think it goes way back to, like, maybe I have, like, a like some kind of problem about trying to you know entertain myself and make myself laugh or other people or whatever because I started this really well my poor mother would tell you probably I at a time that it wasn't really acceptable for a 14 or 15 year old I started dyeing my own hair purple and stuff in 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 school Um, and like I didn't even know how to do it so like bed sheets pillows everything I was wearing was destroyed with purple dye and so on and so forth um, but I just thought, like, I don't know where I came, I can't remember coming across my first really ridiculous looking shirt. Um, but like, it was like, I can't wear that thing. And then I was like, and then people, well, actually, it's a handy thing if somebody goes, that's a stupid looking shirt. And I'm like, you think I'm wearing this thing for like, you know, because I think it's a serious piece of like French fashion wear? It's actually kind of handy. The people who get the joke, yeah. you kind of go, okay, they've got half a brain, right? Anybody who's like, that's dumb. It's like, really? That's your thing? So, um, but mainly people laugh, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so I just kept adding. I'd always like when I'm, you know, when I am somewhere, if I'm in Dublin or wherever it is overseas or whatever I'm doing or I'm DJing someplace or whatever, I'll always go to the vintage shops. Um, and I probably spend a not healthy amount of time online um, oh. these days. I don't know what other people get for pop-ups on their phones, but I get shirts. <laughs> um, and it's kind of, you know, I kind of think I might start doing it differently because, like, this climate thing is getting pretty serious, and I kind of feel like I'm getting... You now, luckily, I, like, I just don't do Amazon. Simple as that. Mm packaging is ridiculous and all that stuff so I try and go to places that they'll send you a thing in a small bit of wrapping and that's it you know um, that is my harm to the planet thing basically um, so uh, but it's fun and it, overall it's not that harmful I think uh, but I do think between uh, between the shirts and the Nicolas Cage and other ridiculous stuff I'm sure I could start up my own factory at this stage of ridiculous rubbish that I kind of... Our quiz is just, like, the end of the quiz is... Like, I think people prefer the the raffle at the end of the quiz just kind of, like, 
what the hell? <laughs> you know, like I love we, it. I, I think it's I think it's great. And like obviously this is an audio platform we're listening to. Yeah. So I mean it's it's an ice cream on your shirt today, Mike. It was avocado last time I saw you. I think yeah. they're great. You got a great shirt collection, and uh, you don't take life too seriously. I think that's a kind of a sign, is it? That I you you know, yeah, you yeah. know. I mean we all have our worries and stuff, but I'd rather if you know if I keep it calm. Like you know I do get a lot of people, you know who get stressed at work and blah, 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 blah. And I think I should be there for them for like, you know, they're coming in the door, they get a smile and it's like, yeah, yeah you'll be fine. Have a pint sometimes for free. Yes. You know, that kind of stuff. Because like, if I'm going to be crumbling and crying around the bar, like there's like, that's no help to anybody. And I'm just generally like, I prefer that way, you know, mm. um, like I have my, everybody has their moments, you know, people get sick and people, you know, get broke and you know all that sort of stuff but uh, I try and keep it like yeah um, we're gonna have a good time you know together yeah, yeah. Um, that's my it's the entertainment the, like it's important that we have good beer and well-made beer and hopefully local beer for the most part um, and support local employment and let it taste good um, but as craft beer bars go we're probably not the most committed to the craft beer thing we want it to be good and a little bit of variety and all that sort of stuff but we're also the like anyone is telling you the daftest craft beer bar in the world probably or maybe the daftest bar anywhere in the, you know so like the craft beer side of it is because it's great and ethical and the lads are all lovely people a lot of them also gave up their law or accounting or whatever career to go and do this yes. so much of what is important the other stuff is about making people happy mm. um and maybe going to extreme kind of ridiculous lengths to do it. And that's kind of the shirts as well. It's a, it's a bit of fun. Now, I have over the years collected and, and like, we're giving them away as prizes right. regularly. <laughs> at the, I can't fit them in my bedroom anymore. I have so many. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, cool. but they're silver. Like, I, I got one a uh, uh, short while ago and um, uh, it's like kind of, yellow with these small I'm not I'm not too sure if they're ducks or geese but they've they've all got they're doing things with nunchucks you know they yes. the weapons right <laughs> so it's ducks with nunchucks basically oh, and people have been doing all this like no it's goosely that sort of stuff every martial art pun that, and ducks that they can think of oh, so you know it's it's just fun you're a proud Corkonian, Mike, clearly. Yeah. I think you've travelled around the world. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great size of what, city. Yeah. Is it the real capital? Uh, I don't buy into that bull at all, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and thankfully, like I think for me, it's because I'm kind of lazy in some ways. I don't like to be planning my nights. Like in London, you want to see somebody... You go like, can we do it on Thursday? And where are we going to meet in the middle? Or maybe Thursday week, and then somebody has a problem, and you don't get you. Know, you end up going to your local bar, which in London a lot of the time is rubbish, <laughs> right? Um, so I don't like. I like to be you know, I can go to loads of good pubs just right near us. Um, I won't make pick out any in particular, but we have a lot of good ones, and it's great because I will phone somebody and say like, I'll meet you in X place down the road yes. you know so I find that handy I didn't 
enjoy the underground and you know, I used to try and talk to people on the underground <laughs> being from a small town like I was like uh, look if I try it often enough somebody will talk to me and of course they never talk to you they think you're mad <laughs> you know um, evening standard and they're shaking because there's a guy from Cork trying to talk to them you know um, so uh, I think it suits my size um, I, I don't think I like I've lived in Dublin for a lot of time. I have good friends and and lots of good times in Dublin, but I don't think London or Dublin is still that livable, really, unless you have decent job. Like, indeed, I can see on my social media that we're regularly voted one of the friendliest cities in the world. Um, I think that's way more important than being big, big or small. Yeah, um, there are advantages to being big, and there are advantages to being small in every area. And I'm all t- always talking about it. Um, but I do think there are loads of like loads of improvements we could make. Um, people are lovely. I think it's absolutely fantastic the people who come into this bar. They're from all over the world, you know. Yeah. And they're all like, to be honest, we very very rarely have any problems with any of our foreign people. It may be more like a couple of Irish lads that yeah. cause you know, I know what you mean, yeah. There's the door, mm. you know. Yeah. I think. Oh no, I'm very strict. Yeah. 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 I like that nobody like I carry on like I'm really easy going and everything mm. but I'm behind it all I'm, re- I'm strict mm. um, but I think it's a great time to be Irish except for the weather what I'd like to do is drag kind of uh, drag the island of Ireland like about because I love the sunshine drag that island like about three or four degrees or ten degrees south yes and then ideally if we could pull the UK out into the middle of the ocean so we could get closer to Europe that would be ideal because I would love I would love to have because you know I love I think Europe is great as well and I love I I do feel a bit bad about getting on an airplane but like all the other stuff I'm careful about except for that like it'd be great to have a a land bridge to Europe oh absolutely you know I don't know why Europeans ever get on an airplane you know well, I, I suppose they're probably trying to match up timetables and everything. Yeah. But if I was on in Europe, I'd just get on the bus or get on the train. The train yeah, the train network is great in Europe. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Um, would you ever, or do you ever DJ? Would you ever DJ again, uh, Mike? I've been thinking about it a lot, but it's very, like, it's not easy to find the right place. Yeah. Um, I've done most of the places that I think I like with no insult to the places that I haven't DJed in, but I think a lot of them are very different approach there, you know. And that's important too because you couldn't just have a load of weird nightclubs and nothing for the mainstream do you know what I mean the laws are also make it difficult to make money because the late night bars now will stay open as late as you do uh, so you have to have something really good going on to yeah. you know lots of DJs or entertainment or whatever or else there's also the possibility that you have places that like people need to go to to snog you know um, but um, I've thought about it um, I've thought about it a lot uh, I'm not sure where where I'll find the venue but who knows yeah, yeah yeah I mean I think there definitely is an opening for indie disco guitar music 70s 80s 90s classics I think oh, yeah. that's they're hard to come by I think yeah, yeah. Oh, big time you know what I mean? I want music. To, but I want to do more than that. I want to start in 1922 and go from, yeah, from 1922 yeah. but through every genre that I've ever played yes you know so it'll be swing jazz it'll be rock and roll it'll be rockabilly it'll be like I have no problem I'm not totally into playing well I'm definitely not I couldn't 
do a night of just indie music. I, I just don't like it that much. But obviously there are classics and lots of them. So that's what I, you know, I want to put. African music next to disco, next to people like well, Rolling Stones, obviously are a thing that like very, and lots more of them very influenced by black music. Yes. But also they're just classic kind of indie and other, you know. But like it, try and make sense of a hundred years on a dance floor it's going to be you're going to be mixing genres at a huge rate but like sounds great though. I know what the, like I think I know what the good ones are you know um, I've you know I'm not a, uh, as well first in as some of my indie DJ friends but I kind of know what works you know mm-hmm. um, so and then you also have the opportunity of just throwing in things that I kind of know that people will like are instantly accessible without being well known do you know absolutely um, and you know, the only thing about that these days is that it makes people take out their phones and use their Shazam to see what that record is uh, like you could you know just keep like keep dancing I'll tell you later alright yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> that's our little thing but I, yeah, I'd love to ban, ban phones at the door but that's not a, that's also not a thing <laughs> you know. Mike I better let you get back to work it's almost opening time but um, one thing I'd like to ask I guess is like any, any book recommendations or series like do you read or do you listen to podcasts watch series to unwind um, when I can um, when I can I do but not as um, not as much as I would like I haven't read anything that really struck me in the last while uh, I think podcasts I don't do at all I just fall asleep after 20 minutes because I'm t- usually I'd like at 3 o'clock in the morning you know it's fine to listen to but like can't remember anything uh, I will listen to audio books but again 10 or 15 minutes of them and I'm snoring on the couch um, I suppose the person that I recommend to everybody it's tough going uh, his early books, um, the one I always recommend to people or give to people as as presents. The easiest one is uh, Marco Valdo by Italo Calvino. Okay. Um, it's about like it's set in kind of early supermarkets in Italy, and a simple man constantly getting confused by the new things around him. It's a slim volume. It's probably not very good value at 10 euros for about 150 pages. Uh, but it's just a lovely little book. Um, I've bought it for 70 people, I'd say. Because <laughs> um, it's charming. And uh, he got really into kind of quite obscure science fiction-y kind of stuff. Um, very famous in Italy, not very well known here. Um, I, I say I don't like... I have a million records that I would be able to recommend to you. Um, but um, you'd, I'd need to make a list beforehand. People are just like, constantly hearing people saying, like, there's no good music out there. It's actually like, you know, go to your whatever, Spotify or whatever it is, type in something East African jazz or, yeah. you know, jazz from the 70s or soul from North Africa or whatever. I just randomly or your iTunes or whatever and just see what pops up because you know or Benin B-E-N-I-N you know the country yes you know way back like kind of tinny recordings but um, Hugh Masekela is from like famous African jazz you know he played lots lived in America and all that stuff. and like the things you can get these days I can't keep up with I, I don't you know so much stuff that I listen to and it's like, you know, 
I could never have got this in McGroom. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's got, you know, it's a great gift in some ways. Yes. And it's an absolute hell in another, you know. But, um, but yeah, guys, it's, you know, I like just randomly, you know, well, my areas are soul and hip hop and stuff like that, but like put in 60s wherever yeah. and like something will pop up. Yeah, have yeah, a listen yeah, and yeah. you know my thing is very much like rhythm based and everything even though my favourite records would be you know the kind of Scott Walkers and those kind of people but swing jazz or Africa or yes. salsa or you know that sort of stuff and you'll find stuff just a final question and Mike one I ask everyone is what, what makes you tick yeah it's kind of guys you've had a hard day lots of fun yeah. It's about entertaining people and not doing it by, you know, there are loads of great places. You, if you love sport, there are great, great bars for that. And if you like kind of, you know, um, kind of mainstream music and stuff like that, there are loads of places that handle that really well, I think. Um, again, I suppose I'm not supposed to be advertising people or whatever, but like, you know, Washington Street is great at what it does. I just don't want to do that. Yes. You know, uh, I want to do wacky stuff. Yeah. You know, and that's what it's about. It's about, you know, you come in and there's always a story and there's always entertainment. Um, it might be off kilter entertainment, but there, you know, there's something that's either going on or being planned or whatever. And um, and that's really, my, as I say, my craft beer people are going to kill me for saying that, but that is the core of the bar. I'm really proud of the beer. But we could easily just have a craft beer bar. Yeah. You know, that, that, that bit would be easy. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. um, it's the persuading people to, you know, to, to think this is going to be funny and, you know, that they're never going to see another night like this no matter where they go in a bar. Yes. Um, and also to persuade people that this is great because... You know, you get a bit fed up with people telling you, like, oh, I was in Prague and it was so great and I was in da-da-da. And it's like, guys, I bet you didn't see anything like this this bar in Berlin. Yeah. No, they've got loads of, like, you know, uh, theatre bars and, you know, 20s bars and all that sort of stuff. We're packing that all into one place, no problem. Yes. You know, but, you know, it kind of... I don't think I'm a proud Cork man, but I'm certainly not in the... Like Asher, this place shows nothing going on. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. F that, you know. So I do. Like I kind of shove it down their throats half the time. And like we're twenty minutes from some best beaches and anywhere, you know, all that sort of stuff. The core of it is entertainment, Indeed. always. Indeed. Mike, you've been very generous with your time. Thanks for inviting me in today to chat, <laughs> and uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a real fascinating hour or so, and uh, every good wish with the future of the Friary Bear. Thank you very much. Thanks indeed.